I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with longtime friend, Grace Scar Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. We're glad you're here, too, as always, man. You're the most important ingredient to this podcast, and we appreciate you guys so much, man. I don't know if I'm saying that loud enough. You don't know what a blessing you are to us, and your questions are a blessing to us. And the, the whole idea of this ministry and, and us getting off our chest what we need to get off about these two covenants. We need you guys. So we thank you. We love you guys. Yeah, thank you. I notice a lot, some new people posting on Facebook. We, we really, really appreciate that. Thank you. It's the mind of Christ being spread on our Facebook page. Like today we're going to say, oh, we got this great email and it asked this question. <laughs> No, just that's kidding. another just thing kidding. to remember. What, what else we appreciate is go to guardinggrace.com. Yes. It is our Facebook page. We have a podcast button. There's also a button that says join us. They're the same thing. You'll get right to the podcast. Put your comments on the podcast because we, oh, we also please, on the guardinggrace.com. We have a place to email questions, comments, and those are helpful. Otherwise, oh. we just have to keep making up stories about sitting on a plane. And exactly. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> We're starting a new podcast. Yes, and we don't have a question. Nobody's emailed in a question, but we do have a thought to think about. It's in Galatians chapter 2, so we might as well run with that. Right, and for those of you who might have missed the last two podcasts... I would say they're related and they're a little related to this. We're going to push pause and you go listen to them. And yeah, <laughs> no, maybe Steve would be kind enough to give a, a short review. Oh, in the last two podcasts, they, they were about a, a specific question, which was if, if I'm under this new covenant as a Christian, then how am I supposed to act? What am I supposed to do? Do I, is mowing the lawn okay or my activities i'm talking about my activities i want those activities as a new covenant believer i want those to be kosher i I sincerely do i'm a christian and i want my activities to be pleasing to god so how does a 21st century christian under the new covenant 
behave in organized lists of things to do and prioritize things that are that do please God? That was the question. And we went over the idea that trying to please God is the same as trying to be righteous. And in the last couple of podcasts, we went into the Old Testament scriptures that showed us that righteousness has a very specific meaning, and it means the ability to obey that covenant and do your side of that covenant. If you're not doing your side of that covenant, you're not righteous. If you are doing that side of the covenant, your side of the covenant, you are righteous. And that was all the further the meaning of that word righteous means. It's narrowed down to only about the the covenant that you're under. How do you stay righteous under the covenant that you are under? And that's kind of what we were talking about. How do we stay righteous and be pleasing to God under this new covenant? So we went over those We talked about bearing fruit. Yes. And you made a a great reference to James about this seed whose fruit is righteous, is sown in peace for the peacemaker. The actual Greek is for the peacemaker. We don't sow that fruit that's righteous. The seed in us, which is Christ, his fruit, which is always righteousness, is sown in peace for us. In other words, when we come up to a conflict and we're trying to solve the conflict, he who is inside of us sows the seeds of peace that are righteous for us. And then the person that we're in conflict with receives those thoughts and accepts them and the conflict is over. Jesus in us sows those seeds that end the conflict for us, for us. He does them for us. And that's what we were talking about in James. And that's why we seek his righteousness as a practical step to begin our day. Right, because the 21st century Christian relies on Christ's righteousness, then the 21st century Christian doesn't really have to worry about whether he's pleasing to God or not because he is pleasing to God. He is righteous in God's sight because God made a covenant in which God said, I'll make you righteous in my sight. Amen. And it reminds me of one of the posts someone made on our Facebook page. He was a brand new poster, first time, and we encouraged him to keep posting. But he said the difference between the two covenants is one revealed our unrighteousness, which we, last week's podcast, we went into great detail to show that, I know Steve just said it, but just to keep reviewing, unrighteousness is breaking covenant and righteousness is keeping covenant. So in his post, he said that the difference between the two covenants is one revealed our unrighteousness, but the new one reveals our righteousness. Amen. So we could say it, having this new definition, one reveals our inability to keep the covenant, 
But the new covenant reveals our ability to keep the covenant and be declared righteous. Exactly. And Paul, who, and you're going to be happy about this, Steve, because one of your go-to verses is in, included if we get that far. Do you want to take a look at maybe Galatians 2.16? Yes, sir, we can do that. And it'll illustrate what this uh, person on Guardians of Grace Facebook page posted. Okay. Okay, Steve, I'm reading in Galatians 2, and I'm going to start in verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a person is not declared righteous by the works of the law, but by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be declared righteousness by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be declared righteous. Verse 17, but if in seeking to be declared righteous in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin Absolutely not. Verse 18. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. That's 1 through, or 15 through 18. So we should make a few comments on what we just read. Do you think? (laughs) Yeah. First observation, he's talking about two covenants. Whether we realize it or not, he's actually talking about two covenants. Yes. Law and a covenant called that he calls the faithfulness of Christ. Yes. Now, yes. why would he call it the faithfulness of Christ? He, he says, I live by the faithfulness of Christ. In other words, it, doesn't it go back to Genesis 15 and, and Exodus 20? One was the first covenant or what we really call the Abrahamic covenant which was a covenant between God and Abraham not really it was a covenant that depended on God even though it's called the Abrahamic covenant right who was the covenant cut between God and himself that's what it means in Hebrews 6 that God swore by himself since there was no one greater to swear by so that by two unchangeable things we could be greatly encouraged and have hope right the idea of living under this new covenant is what allows us to have the hope the hope of living a righteous christian life and the hope of having god say well done to us it's an anchor for our souls correct but now he says as jews Because, remember, Paul is getting in Peter's face here. Yes. Because Peter is not doing, Peter's not going to bars and (laughs) what we hear as unrighteousness is. Right. What is he doing? He's going back to another covenant. Back to the law. Right. Shrinking back to the do's and don't covenant. And what does Paul say? We 
Peter, you should know this, that no one is going to be declared righteous by keeping the law, the two-sided covenant. It says by works of the law, no flesh, no human effort will be declared righteous. It's not possible because, as we'll see as we move move further on in Galatians, of the 613 commandments, how many did you have to break to, to be declared unrighteous? Yeah, you just had to break one, one, and you were guilty of breaking them all. 613. Yes. So he knows that no one is going to be justified or declared righteous, right. is another way of saying it, by keeping the law. Yes. I find verse 17 really interesting. Yes. And really, I never understood it for, for many, many years. I did not understand it for many years. I'm going to read it again. But if in seeking to be declared righteous in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? What would you say, Steve? No, it doesn't. I think it's the Mayanoia. Mayanoia, yeah. Don't even think it. Strong Greek word. If I rebuild what I destroy, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Should We should unpack that phrase, if I rebuild what I once destroyed. Because he, he says, if while trying to be justified in Christ, you already are justified in Christ. If, while trying to be justified in Christ, I find myself to be sinning again, does that mean Christ promotes sin? No, it doesn't. What does it mean, then? You jump the tracks. It means you jump the tracks. You rebuilt that Ten Commandment mentality, and all it will ever do is prove that you're a transgressor. You rebuilt it. If, in the middle of this new covenant, all of a sudden you started saying, you know, what do I need to do in the new covenant to keep my righteous status? How will I be pleasing to God? What do I have to do? What is my part? You're rebuilding the Ten Commandment mentality again. It's telling you that you're making a mistake. You're rebuilding that Ten Commandment mentality. It's warning you against it. And I read that verse over and over for, I know, 16, 17 years and didn't catch on to it. Let me read them together again. Yes. Just the two, 17 and 18 together. Okay. Verse 17 of chapter 2 of Galatians. But if in seeking to be declared righteous in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners... Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. Verse 18, For if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I prove myself to be a lawbreaker. So those are, that thought, those two verses are tied together. That's a cause and effect. Yeah, he says, if I find myself, I'm trying to get justified or made righteous by what I do and I find myself sinning again does that mean Christ promotes sin? He says no it proves that you're rebuilding the Ten Commandment mentality 
Because when you rebuild the Ten Commandment mentality, that's what proves that you're a sinner again. Wow. So another way of saying that is, if I find myself that I'm sinning, I've actually proved that I've jumped the tracks. covenants. Yes. Jumped testaments. Yes. Jumped, well, covenant. Because what did we just learn? That no one will be declared righteousness righteous by the keeping of the law. Meaning no one can be called faithful to this covenant of law. No one. No. No one no. can keep it. The no. first time you break anything, you're guilty of breaking all of it. And that's James 2.12. So it's just logical to think if I find myself conscious of sin, maybe I'm living by the wrong covenant. Right maybe now. I've started trying to please God again instead of relying on the, the fact that I already am pleasing to God in his eyes. And he cannot find fault with you in the new covenant. Your sins and lawless deeds I'll remember no longer. I can't remember these acts of unrighteousness that you're talking about. But when you rebuild that old covenant mentality, you find yourself in the same vicious catch-22 circle again. I try hard, I fail, I feel like death. I try hard, I fail, I feel like death. Yes. Feel separated from God. That's called a sin consciousness. Another word for sin consciousness is death. Another word for sin consciousness and death is a feeling of unrighteousness, a feeling of failure to keep my end of the covenant, or unfaithful. Or the realization that I didn't keep my end of the covenant. The covenant that I got to point out that we should have never rebuilt. We should have never rebuilt. Because yes. to keep the covenant, you have to be faithful to the covenant. Perfectly. Perfectly faithful. And faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not a work of my flesh. Human determination. In fact, under the law, in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three, the faith that God required of them, they didn't have it. They did not have he, it. He said, you tithe on your spices, but you ignore the weightier matters of the law which one of them was called faith. faith. Human faith. Right. Human faith never gets the job done. No. And it makes you conscious of that your, fact. Of, yes, of your unfaithfulness. Yes. But as we saw last week, Abraham was declared righteousness when he believed God. Just like we are declared righteousness and we should believe that righteous and we should believe that and we found out just a verse later from the verse that said abraham was declared righteous because he believed abraham says how will i know this is going to be true which doesn't sound like he faith. didn't believe he didn't believe at least he just believed for a little while but now he's in unbelief and god does something really cool he makes a covenant. This covenant, though, Abraham is left out of it. He's not a part of it. He's not a part of it. 
this is what makes the covenant so amazing. Yes, God actually makes an oath. He makes an oath. He swears by himself. And that's what Hebrews means when it says, by two unchangeable things which it is impossible for God to to lie, lie, we can be greatly encouraged. Yes. So that's what Galatians is talking about. We're going to be declared righteousness by the faithfulness of Christ. Yes. Because Christ is unchangeable. It's impossible for him to lie. He can do nothing but be faithful to the covenant that he established. He established. And last week we read where the law was given and showed their unfaithfulness. And when they get to the promised land, what was promised to Abraham at that moment in Genesis 15, remember what he said? Don't think you're getting this land because you kept the covenant or you were righteous. That was an amazing verse. What a mind blower. It really did tell you what you just said. It did. Don't think that you're Three times. getting the land because you're righteous. Don't think that. No, I swore to your forefathers. That's why I you're am here. righteous to keep the command, the, the oath. So that's the faithfulness of Christ. Yes. The faithfulness of Christ is why they got the promised land. Yes. The faithfulness of Christ is why every promise is yes and amen. The faithfulness of Christ is why we can depend on Christ to live a righteous life through us instead of having to depend on ourselves and fail over and over again. So our faithfulness is what brings about the idea that I think I'm a sinner. Yes. I feel like a sinner. Our faithfulness makes us feel like a sinner, allowing him to be faithful through us is awesome. So when it's our faithfulness, Steve, which covenant are we living under? We have rebuilt what we once destroyed. Wow. I never knew it meant that. Yes, I know. I always thought I rebuilt my old lifestyle. Went and got your old drinking buddies back. (laughs) All my rowdy friends. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. He's saying, don't rebuild this legalistic mentality. Don't get on that treadmill again. And he says it to Peter, who was what? Going back to being kosher again. He wasn't hanging out with the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. He was saying, he was trying to eat the right way. Just just like we said, what do we have to do as Christians in the 21st century? To, to be getting things right, what do we have to do? Peter made one up. He said, I've got to start eating certain ways. That's what will please God. No and more bacon. He rebuilt the law mentality once again. It's so easy to do. It's so prevalent. It's I do it all the time. And, he ju- and he, Peter had already had that vision on the rooftop. Yes. Where he said, Go kill and eat. Right. And, and the, the, the moral was never call anything unclean that I've called clean. Right. Never call anything unrighteous that I've declared righteous. Yes. If you're calling something unrighteous, it's because you've gone back to the law. And you've, you're living in a, if you do this, if you are faithful to these 
613 commandments, I, God, will be faithful to you, to bless you. But if you break any of the 613 commandments, you've broken covenant. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll make your tires go flat. (laughs) Yes. That is the old mentality of, am I pleasing God? He'll know. He'll never do anything for me today because I didn't please him today. That is all bringing back to the table the old covenant. And that's why you feel the way you do guilty is because you've rebuilt what you destroyed. And there is so much of it going on in the church. Seven days a week on TV and in the radio, it's just, it just gets rebuilt and rebuilt and rebuilt and a guy rebuilds it another way and this guy says about three or four grace thoughts and then adds some leaven and says, but what you got to do is this and gives you a part to do and it, there again, it just got rebuilt. That's It's the same thing as don't get leaven in your message. Don't rebuild the old covenant. That's the same as putting leaven in the grace message. Even a little leaven? No leaven whatsoever. And so verse 19, he breaks it down how this took place. How did we get out of an obligation of the law, Steve? He's going to tell us. He's going to tell us. Galatians 2.19 For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let me let me just go yeah, back to 19. Let's okay. unpack that. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. So there's four things happen in this verse. Phrase. In this phrase. Through the law is one. I died to. To the, to law. the law is three. Yes. And four is so this can happen. Yes. So that I might live for God. Yes. Yes. But you can't live for God without the first three. It's the same thing it says in Romans 7. For when the law was there, it was aroused the sinful passions. And I died to the law through the body of Christ, through him paying our Mosaic debt for us. We paid that Mosaic debt and we died judicially speaking. As far as the law is concerned, we died, we paid in full, and there is no double jeopardy for us. We can only build double jeopardy for ourselves, but on God's end, there is no double jeopardy. So the law declared us worthy of death. The yes. wages of sin is death. I was thinking of the one that death without mercy for anyone that sets aside a single law of Moses, mm-hmm. death without mercy. That's what happened to us. The law demanded that anyone that breaks even one of the commandments must die. Yes. So that's, the law was the means to to put me to death, to sentence me to death. I died. I've been crucified with Christ. He just reads that, the the verse after. Now, what does that mean? Because you you would say, no, I'm right here. What does that mean? (laughs) It means I died. I was crucified with Christ in God's eyes. 
I was crucified with Christ in God's eyes, and I paid my judicial sin debt in God's eyes. Yeah, it's... In my eyes, I'm right here. That's why you could say, but the life I live in the mortal body, I live by the faithfulness of Christ. I I was crucified with Christ is a eternal doctrine. It is something that is seen from God's vantage point, and it is revealed to us that God saw us as dying, and we are expected to believe that and use that as an anchor for our souls. That's good news to us. That's the euangelion, the good news. And we take that eternal truth, and then the next thing we do is add a temporal truth with it. And the life I live in the body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. I let him live his life through me, which is what the new covenant is about. He's faithful. He is faithful. And he will do for you what you can't do for yourself. And he will always please God through you. All you have to do is be the jar of clay that carries him around and you can do whatever is on your list of things to do just bring jesus with you and let jesus minister to people through you everywhere you go when you're trying to do that list of things that you need to do so it says in 19 through the law i die to the law that i might live for god and he says the exact same thing in verse 20 I've been crucified with Christ. See, it's a little bigger than he died in my place or he died for me. It's literally he died as me. Yes. And he yeah. died as you. And exactly. He died for every, as everyone in the audience. That is a little bigger. It, it is a little bigger. So he says, I have been crucified with Christ. When he was crucified, guess who was with him? Us. Yes. Because he broke the law or because we did? Because we did. Yes. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The guy that was under the law, which if you're a Gentile, you were never under the law. But to the Jew that died under the law, guess how long the law has authority over you? Just until they die. Just doesn't it say that in Romans 7 3? I think yes, it is, yes, yes. That the law has authority only as long as the person is alive. Now we come in verse 19 to the Greek word henna or ena, which means for the purpose of. So the first three were for the purpose of the fourth one, which is that I might live for God. And might is not a Maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's Mm -hmm. for the purpose of. So through the law was the means. I died was the result. To the law, which was the means. And the first covenant that I was obligated to keep until I died. Now I'm released from it for the purpose that now I can live for God by the Spirit, which is the new covenant. That we can live for God to live through us. We can live for God as a vessel, a earthen vessel, a jar of clay, an instrument of the Lord, Romans 6, an instrument of righteousness can be that for God now. That's exactly right. And isn't that what it says in 
2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. We just read that in 19. Now it's a fact. He's restating it. But Christ lives in me by the Spirit. The life I now live in the body, I'm going to read it in the NIV. Okay. But I'll let you explain what it actually says. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, I would say by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because of verse 16. Yes. That knowing that no one's ever going to be justified by their own faithfulness. Yes. So, But he is faithful. We live for God as the vessels that God uses for Jesus to live through. And he is faithful to live out a righteous Christian life for us. Right. If our faith wasn't worthy in verse 16, it's not going to be worthy in verse 20. No. So it has to be his faith. I love this in the King James, verse 21. I'll read it in the NIV. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died in vain. The King James says... I do not frustrate the grace of God. What does that mean, Steve, to frustrate the grace of God in your life? Well, in this context, it means to rebuild what you once destroyed. Paul said, I don't rebuild what I once destroyed. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I let it flow through me. If I rebuild what I once destroyed and put myself back on the Ten Commandment mentality, In essence, I have gone back to my human effort and discarded the power of God's grace, the power of Jesus living through me. That's what frustrates the grace of God, is when you go back to human performance. And he says, don't do that. He says, I don't frustrate the grace of God in my life. Read it in again before I go to chapter 3. I do not frustrate the grace of God in my life. For if righteousness could be gained through keeping the law, Christ died when he didn't have to. Chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's cast his spell over you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I want to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now let Gardner Steve. Or or the hearing with faith. Is what it actually says. says. Yeah. Did you receive the Spirit by your human effort and determination and wisdom? Or did you hear this word of God? that came to you and caused you to be born again. See, that's what makes 1 Thessalonians 2, 12 and 13 so important. It, it says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God when you received the word of God and you accepted it. Not as the words of men, but as it really is the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. That just says you were persuaded, doesn't it? You were persuaded by the Spirit. Yes. 
and you believe the gospel, passive voice, as always, and he thanks God for that because it was God who gets all the glory because God did all the work there, and he caused you to believe the word of God as it really is, the word of God and not the words of men. And that's what it says. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? No, it was by hearing with faith, praise God. Doesn't Paul say the same thing in Romans 1, 16 and 17? (laughs) And the reason you believe, Steve, is because you were persuaded. Yes. That's what it says in Romans 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it is God's power to save or to deliver for everyone trusting both to the Jew first and then to the Greek. This is why. For by the righteous the righteousness of God, the faithfulness of Christ, same thing, to keep the covenant, is revealed, is actually persuading you, Steve, from the persuasion of God into your belief is what it actually means in the Greek. As it is written, and he quotes Habakkuk, the just shall live by his faithfulness. So when we go back to Galatians 2.20 and 2.21, that we live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. That's how we live our Christian life. That's why he would say the next verse that he's going to say, which... I think you might be somewhat familiar with it because I I, I sometimes use it. I sometimes use the verse, but we'll read the next verse in Galatians. Galatians 3, 1. I almost need the angry voice. (laughs) You foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I, I got to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by being persuaded by what you heard? I got to know this. Are you so foolish, stupid, after beginning by the means of the Spirit Are you now going to change gears and go back to the old covenant and try and attain your goal through human effort? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really wasn't vain? So I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you? No, we just said that. By the works of the law or by the faithfulness of believing what you were persuaded to believe, which is the gospel. Amen. Amen. It's it's by the faithfulness of Christ. Everything is by the faithfulness of Christ. That's what our new covenant is predicated on. The faithfulness of Christ. And Christ will be faithful to do everything that God has for him to do through you will get done. And you will be written in the Lamb's book of life as Through Bill, Jesus did this. And through Bill, Jesus did that. And you will get an A for the day. You can, like Philippians 1.6 says, 
I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work will carry it on to the day of completion. We can be confident in Jesus. We cannot be confident in ourselves. Which is what he says, Steve, in verse 9. We, we can't be confident in ourselves. So he says in verse 9, So those who rely on the faithfulness of Christ are blessed along with Abraham. Those who put confidence in the faithfulness of Christ are blessed. Another word for blessed is happy. The man of faith, he calls Abraham. We'll let him go this time. Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Why? Because cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And you know James better than anyone I know. Doesn't it say that in James 3.10? 2.12, that if you break one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking it all. That's what James says. James says it. If anyone would attempt to keep the law and stumble at just one, one point. point. And remember last week when we the Ten Commandments were given, it wasn't plural. The mm -hmm. commandments were not plural. It was single. Mm -hmm. And I said, is that a typo? And I read my Hebrew scholarly footnote and it says it is single because from God's point of view the Ten Commandments the whole law was one, not to be broken up. So you can't break part of it. If you break part of it, you break it all. That's what James says. That's what Paul just said. Verse 11, just to, just to drive the boat point home. Clearly, clearly no one who relies on the law is ever going to be declared righteous before God because the righteous will live by his faith. You'll be declared righteous by the faithfulness of God. Christ. That's what the Abrahamic covenant was about. 12, verse 12. The law is not of the faithfulness of Christ. On the contrary, the person who does these things will live by them. The law is not based on the faithfulness of Christ. It's based on your faithfulness to keep the commandments. And how did that work out? It doesn't. You lose. You're under a curse. Christ redeemed us from this curse. He redeemed us from this futility of trying to please God by keeping the commandments. Thank God. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, and remember the blessing given to Abraham was to be declared righteous. Yep. That was the blessing, to be counted as righteous. Even though he did nothing, he's credited for what Jesus did. To be credited for the righteous fulfillment of everything God desires is to be credited with the righteousness of Christ, his faithfulness. I'm going to read it again. For he redeemed us in order that the blessing, being declared righteous, that would be given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would be declared righteous so that by faith 
we would receive the promise. And what is the promise? The Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit have any problem at all keeping the commandments, doing whatever God desires and pleases, or what would be pleasing to God? You read that a while ago. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. And you know what follows next? Anyone that serves God in this way is what? Pleasing to God and pleasing to the people around you. Isn't that the purpose of the new covenant, to be pleasing to the people around you? Well, it says that this gets the job done. The Spirit gets the job done. It pleases God because it's the faithful covenant of Christ and it's pleasing to the people around you. People like being around a righteous person. People love being around a person that's led by the Spirit. And I know you wanted to add to that. Oh, I had to just sit here in silence because you you were saying it, Bill. You said it really well. You, You were putting it down, man. You were putting it down. You're absolutely right. We live under a new covenant, this new covenant where he said, I'll put my spirit in you. I'll cause you to live righteous. I'll cause you to walk in my statues. That is the covenant that we are in, the covenant whereby we give God and Jesus the glory for all the goodness that they are doing through us. It is them doing the good through us. When we have a hard time pleasing the people around us, which is who we serve in the new covenant, we ask God for more of his grace. By the grace of God, we are what we are. And this grace is not in vain, but because we labored harder than all the rest, but it wasn't us laboring. It was the grace of God in us laboring. It wasn't God helping out his friends and serving the people around him. It was the grace of God in him doing that. It's the grace of God in us doing that. And we can just relax and rely or depend on the spirit of God that he placed in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves and I'd like to just close with, with, I can't think of a better statement to close on yeah the guardians of grace catchphrase the spirit given to do for us what we, we can't, can't do, do for, for ourselves. ourselves please learn to rely on this spirit you guys please you'll go further you'll blossom more you'll have a better Christian life don't let the, the TV and the radio keep causing you to rebuild what you once destroyed. Destroy it for good. Leave it there. (laughs) Yes. Don't throw your confidence away, your confidence in the Spirit. Do not go back to legalistic confidences where you're using your human nature to please God and the people around you. Yeah. If anything, throw your shovel away so you won't be tempted to dig Dig it back up. <laughs> Dig up old Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With that in mind, I pray, Father God, allow us to take root in all that you've taught us today. 
allow us to take root in the fact that we can relax as the Christian in the 20th century. You've got it under control. You've got everything planned out. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you prepared in advance for us to do. And we'll do every single one of those works you have prepared in us to do because it, Christ in us will do them. And we will get an A for the day. We will get an A for our lives because you earned us an A and we just depend on you. And most of all, we just give you the glory, Father, the glory for all that you do in us. And I ask that you cause everybody to take root in today's podcast, in what today we were learning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Bump the table.